Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about how to stop taking things personally, why you do this, the negative effects on you, and how you can stop. Of course, first, I will tell you to subscribe. My most recent subscriber episode was on, of course, a happy marriage is somewhat child-centered, and it seems that this got a little bit lost in the shuffle that obviously with small children, things are going to be somewhat child-centered. So that should not be something that's thought of as as terrible. Um, And I describe why and how and to what extent, etc. So today we're going to be talking about the uh, common human, you know, logical fallacy that things that people do are really like mostly about you. This is certainly not true. I mean, the majority of people kind of act the same with everybody. Of course, there are uh, differences on the margins. Of course, there's ways that you can interact that are more and less pleasant to other people, more and less appealing, etc. That's on the margins, though. So there's people that I work with, particularly if you were raised in a home that is very, very image conscious, where you were always taught to look at your impact on other people and to do the right quote unquote thing and not to be embarrassing and not do anything weird. If you were raised in a kind of home like that, then it is it's very hard to understand that if the cashier snaps at you, it's not because you were like uniquely annoying on the ca- on the checkout line and didn't unload your things quickly enough. It's hard to understand that that's about the cashier having a bad day. So what you want to try to do with little kids, and most people do this already with their little kids, is to say that if somebody has a problem with you, it's probably that they were having a bad day and they were, you know, bothered, more bothered because they were feeling irritable or they were feeling angry or or what have you. And that's certainly an adaptive thing to teach to your kids. And it's important to recognize that this is just the truth and that you need to think it as well. So what are some ways that this usually manifests? Because a lot of people are smart and they're successful and they can get along with other people. And in the workplace, you know, they can understand that certain personalities fit, certain don't. It's nothing to get that upset about. However, in their intimate relationship, the same guy that'll say, yeah, you know, like I could have managed that situation better at work, but probably, you know, I mean, that guy has had problems with other people too. You know, so it's not just me. That same person in his intimate relationship will say to his, uh, you know, therapist that his wife would act totally different if he were more attractive. Uh, that if he acted uh, in, in whatever different way, his wife would turn into a sex goddess. This isn't true, you know, and I, I do a lot of this stuff in my podcast. I try to help people very much understand that, you know, there's natural variation in libido and things happen in monogamy and there's a million reasons your wife could have a lower sex drive, including literally just that she's been with you for a while and you're the same person still, 
you know, and this is not to say, of course, that you cannot fix things on the margins, that there are not things you can do to impact your wife differently, but most of how your wife acts is because of your wife, just like most of how you act is because of you. So these same people will have the fantasy that if their wife, for example, was having sex with them all the time, they would turn into a completely different man. They wouldn't. They would be a happier version, sure, but it would be a happier version of the same guy. So if you were an irritable and kind of anxious, rigid guy and your wife was, you know, having more sex with you, it's not like you would turn into Mr. Laidback. You really wouldn't. And if you have that fantasy, then it's no wonder that you're so angry with your wife because you feel like there's this whole other way of engaging that would be open to you only if she acted differently, which is not useful. And it's, and it's not accurate from anything that I've seen in practice. So how can uh, understanding that you're taking things too personally help you? Well, it can liberate you. You can understand that everything isn't dependent on your move in the chess game. Like how people with social anxiety think is that if they do something wrong, you know, bad, and the encounter is just going to be bad. So they have to figure out the right way to engage. And I hear this a lot, like with women about making friends, you know, like, oh, like I did the wrong thing during, you know, preschool pickup. And that's why I didn't get invited to this or that or the other. Yes, to some extent, possibly. To another extent, that person already had everybody they were going to invite to their home for their Halloween party or what have you. They just weren't thinking about you as another potential person. You know, only perhaps if you were the most social person in the world and asked about their plans and, you know, were exactly, you know, I don't even know what, said exactly some right thing that triggered this person to remember they had a Halloween party, in 1% of cases, they would have ended up inviting you, a new person that they just met, to their party. In most cases, the large majority of cases, it has absolutely nothing to do with your behavior. They just weren't thinking about, you know, making a new friend at that moment. They were just thinking about getting through their day. So you have to, this, this goes back to empathy. So it's very hard for people to empathize if they did not experience a lot of empathy growing up. It's hard for them to understand that there are perspectives that other people have, this called theory of mind, that, you know, they, they got to go into the other person's head and look out through their eyes pretty much. And that's very, very hard for people to do. But you can practice. You can practice it the same as you would with a dog or with a baby where like they can't talk. So you have to figure out what they're saying. So like, if you're a man, you could like think about your wife. And this is why I write posts like, men, here are nine things your wife really thinks about all day. And like, none of them are you and none of them are sex, you know? And sure, sometimes women think about sex or their husbands, but most of the time they're just people. They get up, they say, what do I have to do? What time is it? Where, uh, what's, what's in my email? What, you know, like, uh, when do I make my coffee? When do I have to get the kids to school? Okay, then I have work. What do I need to do there? And what am I going to wear? And I'm in the shower. Or, you know, like you got to really go into her head and see it like she's not sitting there thinking, man, I'm so disappointed that the man that I married can't bench press more. If he could, then possibly I would really want to give him a blowjob right now. This is just like not real, you know. And so when, um, you know, it's like those memes that are out there about what it's like when a man writes a woman in a book, like a male author. And it's like, you know, like she she looked into the mirror and, and was um, aroused at her own round breasts, you know, like that's not like real. That's not what women think. And certainly, 
you know, it, it's not helpful to think that what your wife thinks is some version of what you would think if you were your wife. No, your wife's a totally different person. So it's basically you're doing a character study and thinking, okay, given who she is, what is she thinking about? How could I make a day better for her on the margins? Of course, that's not going to change her whole personality. It's not going to cure her depression or her anxiety. But what could I do that would be being a good partner? And a woman, the same thing. So it's like, mind-blowing for a lot of women that the guy's thinking so much about sex because they're not thinking about sex at all. So they can't picture that that is what he thinks about in the back burner of his mind like all the time. So it can be extremely useful to go into his mind, you know, basically in a sci-fi way and say, hmm, if I was him, uh, from what I've learned, I would probably be thinking about sex right now. Strange. We're at a pumpkin festival. You know, what to, to, I would never be thinking about sex now, but I bet he is. You know, and you could ask him to make sure that you're correct. Or he's probably thinking about work tomorrow, even though I'm home with the kids tomorrow. So I'm definitely not thinking about work. I can't really imagine what it would be like to be at the pumpkin festival thinking about work and sex because I'm not thinking about either one. But that is what he's thinking about. So if he's irritable, it's probably because he's worried about work and we haven't had sex. It's probably not because he thinks that there was a better pumpkin festival, which is what I am sitting here worrying about and thinking that I should have picked a different pumpkin festival. And on the other side, it would behoove the man to think she's not thinking about either work or sex. So she might be thinking about anything related to this pumpkin festival, the kids, if they're building memories, if they are having a good childhood, if she looks good in whatever she chose to wear that she asked me about earlier today. And I know she's worried about weight gain or her clothing being, uh, you know, the wrong clothes from last year or what have you. So the more you talk to your spouse in an open way, by the way, the easier this gets and the less you will take things personally. That's what a lot of couples counseling is, is having real honest conversations with people so they can understand what is taking, uh, you know, like what is what percent of their spouse's waking thoughts are about them and what percent isn't. And a large part isn't, you know, a lot of the time unless there's profound marital problems. So you could also take this into if you have problems making friends. Most people that have any sort of social anxiety tendency overestimate the amount that other people are judging them. Most people are not thinking about you at all, and many of us can tell that to our kids and kind of forget it for ourselves. You know, it's interesting when I do these things for uh, Facebook, you know, all these videos and stuff, sometimes something uh, is viewed by a lot of people and then you get way more comments. And it's like so obvious that the stuff's not about me if they're like, you idiot, like it's wrong that there's any way to, you know, have, make women want more sex. My wife hasn't had sex with me in 30 years. Well, I mean, they're not literally calling me stupid. This is, they are angry. They're angry about their own situation and they're using this as the projective test, you know, the Rorschach test. My video makes them angry. Why? Because I'm talking about something that they don't have, you know, and when you start out, it's easy to take a lot of that stuff personally and say, oh my God, he thinks I'm stupid. I wonder if everybody thinks I'm stupid putting out these videos. And then it becomes obvious that it's not. You know, it has nothing really to do. It's just what you are saying that provokes a certain reaction in somebody based on their own experience. If you can shift your mindset in this way, which is something that cognitive behavioral therapy helps with a lot, then you're a lot freer because you can do whatever you want really within the bounds of being a kind and ethical and empathic person. But if you're just trying to live your life to avoid judgment, then you can kind of stop because people are going to judge you 
anyway, kind of no matter what you do, people are going to judge you because they are living their own lives and it has nothing to do with you. And if you wear a red shirt and their mother that they hate always used to wear red shirts, they're not going to like you. And so there's nothing you could do about that because you can't mind read that you shouldn't wear a red shirt. So it's it's kind of like that in um, working, as I've said multiple times, with children who are anxious and teens because they overestimate constantly how much everybody is judging them. And most parents, you know, know this and they could say, it's not about you. It's not about you. Don't you see it's not about you how that person reacted? But then in their own lives, they will think that their boss is so disappointed with them versus thinking, why would somebody act like, you know, a bitch? Oh, she's probably having a bad day. That's why I act like a bitch. So, you know, because I'm having a bad day when I have a bad day. So why wouldn't it be the same for her? And so if you can train yourself, you can basically reparent yourself as though you had been parented by a parent who had said to you constantly, it's kind of not about you, you know, like, don't worry. It isn't about you if that person's having a bad day. If, of course, you heard from a parent the opposite, like, um, you know, a a parent who was always trying to shame you and tell you you weren't doing the right thing and other people were judging you, then this could be very, very hard change. But it's certainly worth it, you know, because it helps so much in how you interact with others and whether you actually enjoy your life and your interactions or whether you're kind of terrified of judgment all the time by intimate partners, friends, coworkers, etc., So it's something to really think about is that other people's personalities and most of their behaviors have very little to do with you. You can impact them on the margins, you know, but their basic personality and the basic thing that they were going to do in any given situation is pretty much what they were going to do in any given situation as with you. And so that also means you have to give up the pet fantasy that there are ways that your partner could act that would transform your personality. Because a lot of people think this. Yeah, I'm kind of a depressive, miserable fuck. But if my spouse acted a lot different, well, then I would be my best self. Then I would really be a kind, loving, patient, calm, laid back, fun person. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, they, they can't change your personality. You, I have this in uh, my podcast, how much would your depression go away when you were remarried to a more supportive spouse or does your depression go away when you're married to a more supportive spouse? And a lot of women, because women have higher rates of depression, picture that they're being remarried to a more supportive spouse, their depression would just go away. That's not true. Depression is an illness. You may have a happier marriage, but you still be a depressed person, you know, and unless you treat your depression. So it's, it's the same for any disorder. It's the same for really anything. And one person and what they do or do not do does not change your personality. So thus, how could you and what you do change another person's personality? It's really powerful if you think about it, you know, because having less agency over other people can be very, very freeing to realize that there are a lot of limits on what you can change in other people, just like how there are limits in what other people can change in you, which is not everybody's favorite thought. Because again, you know, it's the same thing with a therapist. Like a lot of people come to me, they really bond with me uh, through listening to my stuff, you know? And so then they come in and they'll say like, oh, you know, like I had all these therapists before, but I know it's going to be different with you. It's only going to be different with me if you work harder with me, you know, and that could be facilitated by you feeling like we have a closer relationship or that I understand you more, but I'm not Houdini. I can't reach into your head and like move around knobs. It has to be what you do, you know, your engagement, your motivation, et cetera, et cetera. So if you are at a point in your life when you really want to work, then sure, the therapist can be very, very helpful and working with somebody who clicks with you. It certainly is preferable to working with somebody who doesn't, right? But 
the majority of the change would be with you. And perhaps if I had met you when you were 25, you wouldn't have listened to me. You know, people always say, I wish I would have read your stuff when I was 25. Really? You think you would have listened or sought out or even listened for one second to my stuff on how your wife changes in perimenopause when you were 25? Yeah, right. Everybody who's 25 thinks everybody 40 is stupid, you know, and that they're just kind of pathetic and they're living their old boring life and it's going to be totally different for you. Your wife's going to be giving you head, you know, every day after you've been married for 25 years and everybody else just doesn't know better. That's what it is to be young. So when you think, oh, I wish I would have seen your stuff years ago, or people say you should make a book for younger people, you know, younger people are really, they have a lot of, you know, uh, hope about what their life is going to look like and how it's going to look totally different from their parents' lives or anybody in their parents' generation. And you got to understand that that's a normal part of being a young person. So, for example, if your children don't listen to your advice, it's not that like you're giving it in a bad way. It's that children don't really listen to parents' advice. (laughs) Because you got to remember when you were young, did you really listen to every word that came out of your parents' mouths? No, you thought that they were from a different generation. They didn't understand, et cetera, et cetera. So it was your personality that was the impactful variable in how you chose to interact. It wasn't that your parents delivered a message in some way that that was subpar. So what I'm really addressing is just the limits of this idea that, you know, people can personally affect one another wholly. You know, that, that that's a bi-directional collaborative process. A person has to be ready to be impacted and to be trying hard in order to be impacted by another human being, no matter where it is. So stop taking things so personally in that you think that there is some magic way that human beings can unilaterally impact each other or that they matter so much to each other. What really matters to any individual human being is what's going on in their head their life, their greater context at the time. Then when you interact with them, you are but one variable in their life. You are not the thing that makes or breaks their day, their sex drive, their personality, their parenting style, and so forth. All right, I hope you guys found this to be interesting or useful, and it's something always to bring up with your own therapist. If you think of things that are interesting from my podcast, they make you think about things, and you could have other topics to bring up, whether or not you work with me or my people or your own people, uh, therapists or coaches or whatever. And I will talk to you all soon, guys. Uh, Please join the Facebook group if you like to listen to these topics. They are all that we talk about in there, $4.99 a month, blue subscribe button on the Dr. Psych Mom Facebook page. Thanks.